0: Hope everyone's having a good afternoon. Uh, my name's Henry Byers. I'm the head of Ocean Intelligence here with Freightwave Sonar, and I'm joined today by Charles Odom, uh, Director of Logistics for Halliburton. How you doing, Charles? I'm good. Thank you for uh, for having me this afternoon. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, I wanted to start by you know you have a history in logistics. I wanted to talk about a little bit about how you know you got into the industry, um, and maybe a little bit about you know what you do exactly at Halliburton.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I started in the industry almost 20 years ago. Um, I started off driving trucks and um, doing hot shot runs and uh, bobtail deliveries for construction companies. I then went on and um, graduated from the University of Georgia and, and moved on um, where I started off with uh, Forward Air, doing line haul, um, scheduled line haul trucking, um, as well as drayage. And we moved on into, uh, I moved into international freight forwarding and uh, integrated project management. Um, and then about 2013, I had an opportunity with Halliburton to, uh, to go overseas, and I moved uh, to Mozambique, um, where I managed international logistics for East Africa, and then moved to uh, Gabon for a number of years, um, and then um, Ghana as well. Um, so I spent about seven years in Africa before coming back and, and taking on some of the challenges in the, uh, in the logistics industry throughout the, uh, the world.
0: So you're certainly battle tested when, uh, you know, the time came to to pursue, you know, that more of that uh, all encompassing director of logistics role for Halliburton. And I think this was most interesting about, um, you know, what you do is just the scope, um, how much you manage, how many origin destination pairs, um, how many countries. I think it's just truly impressive, um, and I think it says a lot about, you know, incorporating data and kind of where we're going to take the rest of this conversation. But I just wanted
1: you to kind of touch on just the scope and scale of the operation. Yeah, I mean, so so Halliburton runs uh, operations in anywhere from 85 to 90 countries around the world. Um, we, you know, we're a contractor. We're in a oil field services company. Um, so we provide supplies to the to the oil fields across the world. Um, you know, we've got about 35,000 unique pairs of, um, of origin destination pairs across the world. We run a global hub and spoke cross-stock network. Um, with cross docks in Houston, Rotterdam, Dubai, and Singapore, um, where we merge and transit goods from uh, from regions and geographies across the world so that we can deliver goods in time to every oil field in the world super interesting,
0: uh, especially when you think about your Ford air experience, you know the LtL the global you know the hub and spoke um you know essentially bringing in um, you know goods into certain locations, consolidating them sending them out to more of these more rural rural locations um and I think that's that's also an interesting part of what you do. You're, you're talking about you know moving into new markets. You guys have new projects all the time. Um, you know, can you kind of describe your approach? Uh, maybe how you know some of the techniques and some of the data, data and intel you gather when you're moving into new
1: new new destinations. Yeah, I mean, you know, for us, we we work in some of the most remote and difficult countries in the world. Um, I kind of take a an approach from the field which is we go in and we look at the end destination. We talk to the customs brokers, we talk to the trucking companies, to the handling agents at the ports and the airports. And we we determine the best routes based on starting at the end destination and working our way backwards. You know, we could go and book freight all day long from Houston and from from the cross docks around the world into destinations, but if the routes don't work and you can't get the, the clearances done in a compliant manner, then it's a problem.
0: So it, you're always presented with new challenges. Yes. Um, I think coming in, you know, having, you know, who, who was responsible for developing the global hub and spoke network? Was that, was that you or was that, was
1: that in development prior to you coming along? or No, the, the company's 104 years old, so it's been in development for quite a long time. But um, there was a guy that came in in the early 2000s named Dr. John Vogt, who wrote a book on global cross and uh, he started building out more and more of that infrastructure. But it's been a work in progress for, you know, 60, 70 years. Um, but, um, you know, we fine-tuned it, and we've been running um, a, a very comprehensive net for, network for quite some time. Wow.
0: So so I'm thinking about the oil industry specifically. Um, you know, we obviously have what's happened over the last couple of years. But, you know, you guys had your own unique challenge in, in 2000. was it, 2015? 14-15. 14-15, um, where, you know, with what happened with prices and things like that. So I wanted to maybe just, um, you know, kind of preface maybe, you know, what happened with COVID by, by describing, you know, your unique challenges you faced during that time period.
1: Yeah. I mean, so look, the, uh, the oil industry was is a commodity-based industry. It went through a massive downturn. Um, we went through what some of the trucking industry seen today. There was a lot of con- capital con- uh, constraints. Um, you know, we were, we focused on capital discipline downsized you know uh, brought some operations kind of to a to a standstill and um you know it was a it was a unique challenge but um it made everybody very very versatile and uh, and scrappy
0: in, in battle tested i imagine so so then you have you know heading into covid i think covid obviously a black swan event of that magnitude would uh, would catch a lot of companies off guard it obviously did um did you feel like you guys were were ready for that moment. Was that a moment to shine for you guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I felt like by the time COVID came around, due to the the critical nature of the oil field, um, everybody was was prepared. You know, like we were we were battle tested, we were ready. And really the five years leading up to COVID was almost like endurance training, you know, for a heavyweight prize fight.
0: So in that endurance training, you know, I imagine um you guys have a significant amount of data. You talked about over a hundred years. Um so, so, you know, and Dr. John um and what he had done it before you had gotten there, um, the amount of, can you speak a little bit about the magnitude you know, in what you're doing, what your data strategy is, you know, uh, as far as, you know, what, what outside or how you approach outside data sources versus internal data sources and, you know,
1: what your strategy is there? Yeah. I mean, look, we've got, we've got a great plethora of data within the organization with just, um, you know, tons and tons of Hundreds of thousands and millions of, of data points across the supply chain, but you know, for us, what we're doing is we're taking um, high frequency data on the logistics side. We're blending it with historical data, and we're analysis and doing analysis to really establish market trends and to be able to predict what's going to happen next. And you know, SAR has been a big, big part of that for us. And how many, how many people are part of that
0: type of team? Is that is that hundreds of analysts, or is that you know? I, you know what, what, how how
1: many people are in a part of that process? I mean, look, we we run a, a pretty um, mature supply chain organization, and we've got analysts throughout the entire organization and all over the world. But um, you know, for the logistics team, it's pretty lean. We run a we we run a small ship, but um, you know, it's uh it's very efficient. So
0: imagine so you're you're moving all these different modes. I mean, it, are there any modes that you know right offhand that you you, you now are not responsible for? Uh, Yes. You're managing every mode I'm at in chartering aircraft, things of that sort. I mean, have you chartered any aircraft today? Yes. <laughs> just to describe just the It's always impressive to to know the scope, but, um, you know, when you're, when you're looking at all those different modes of transport, you're looking at, you know, uh, a wild week for you. I imagine it's, it's, you know, truly quite wild as far as what you guys could be battling with. Um, here some examples about you know, just the magnitude of incorporating that data, that data strategy, and how that kind of enables you to, you know, really meet those challenges head on and and, and you know, kind of the cost savings or just it you know, gives an example of how how you know the magnitude of the the savings that could be incurred.
1: Yeah. I mean, and just just one great example is um, you know, we automated our dispatch in North America and we move about a million truckloads a year. Mainly bulk products and sand, but just just solving the Postman theorem between origin and destination pairs on regional short haul trucking. You know, we saved $50, 60000000 million in Demerge on a yearly basis. Um, so, you know, that level of detail um, has a massive impact on our business. And and, it, and it's a huge return for our investors and, and shareholders. So,
0: so that inevitably, you know, AI, I think to you, is is a very real and you, you're seeing the real impacts of just you know incorporating high frequency data and where that really could potentially go. Um, you know, where do you, where do what do you see, you know, AIs, um, you know, it's quite a, quite the buzzword, obviously, a lot of the AI stocks kind of, you know, seeming almost like, a you know, GameStop-esque at the moment, um, maybe a potential bubble, but, but you obviously see the real impact. So, you know, where do you see AI today? Um, and, and you know, the impacts that it's having, give us some real world examples.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think AI has been used kind of as a, as a suitcase for a lot of different words out there. But, I mean, ultimately, everybody's been been using technology to make better decisions over the last few years, and it's getting better and better. You know, we, we've done a lot of automation, and a lot of machine learning. Um, you know, we just did one recently where we automated one particular bill of lading process and saved like 10,000 man hours with a click of a button. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to become more and more regular. Um, I do kind of see a future in the logistics industry where we see more and more of the um, the manual entries being automated or, or, or brought in with some, some AI applications, but um, you know, it's, it has a massive impact and I think the entire world's got to get ready to adopt a lot of that.
0: Agreed. And so, you know, you get t- tiptoeing a little bit into, you know, my field specifically ocean intelligence, you move a significant amount of ocean container freight, um, you know, What you're seeing right now with the ocean container carriers is really interesting coming off this you know enormous bull run um you know the pendulum obviously swinging swinging back i mean much like it has in the truckload segment um do you see this as like a great reset uh, for ocean carriers and you know what, what do you see as far as um you know their strategies at current moment
1: yeah i mean look i think the the great reset has also been used kind of loosely over the last year or two it really came up came apparent during the uh the, the COVID crisis and really the supply chain crunch of 2022. But, you know, look, there's a, everyone's got to get ready for the new norm, right? And what that volume looks like across the world is going to be dependent on what the demand is at, at destination and, and who's got surety of supply. So, you know, I think the, um, the biggest thing is we've got to get ready to to, to to stabilize the supply chains across the world, which is already ongoing.
0: So, ocean carriers—they obviously like to plan far out in advance. When you're talking about from your suppliers, your manufacturers, and how you you can leverage data to to, to better negotiate with those guys, um, you know, how, what does that approach look like? I mean, how, how far in advance can you really you know give them an accurate prediction or a forecast? Um, you know, what what type of energy and efforts are you putting into that space? Yeah, we're doing we're doing a lot on
1: that. Um, you know, I think that's one area that everyone can strive to get better is by providing better forecast, better data. Um. You know, we we recently built a tool where we're able to look at what's coming out of our manufacturing plants around the world and actually put kilo weights to it so that we can tell up to two years in advance how much we've got coming in, coming down the pipeline. And, you know, we then go to our freight forwarders and to our, our, our partners around the world. We've got actual volume, not just historical. We're not just looking in the past. We're looking out the front window. And um, I think that has a, a significant impact on our ability to to execute and move freight. Um, you know, we're, we're a high-velocity organization, and, you know, I, I actually came to Halliburton because it was the best. I'm um, being a vendor for, for all of the energy service companies. I got a chance to look under the hood, and I saw what we were working with and made a strategic decision because it was the best. And the, the velocity at which we operate is just unparalleled. Yeah,
0: the scope really is, is- truly mind-boggling um what are some creative approaches to when you're, you're managing these new destinations you're managing um you know these new challenges you know how, how are you you know creatively are there some creative approaches that you have um you know with the ocean carriers particularly where you're trying to match up head hauls back hauls um are you trying to leverage you know what what customs brokers or um you know local agents are saying on the ground as far as who to utilize um you know how is that some of the data that you're processing as well, and and how do you go about the, that negotiation process?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we're we're a process driven organization, so we 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 in, we take all of that data back, we interpret it, we design specific routes that work. Um, we're working with carriers to constantly improve and to, to to focus on executing at the highest service levels available. I mean, we're constantly moving modes of transport. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for us to have something go from truck. To air, to ocean, um, you know, and every every mode of transport across the world, and to get to, into some of these difficult frontier regions, and um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun.
0: Do you feel like the past couple of years has given you more of um, you know a seat at the table, you could say, um, as far as you know what what your leadership, the challenges you guys are facing. What would your advice be? I guess to other you know organizations out there or other supply chain leaders. As far as, you know, what you've dealt with over the past couple of years and uh, the importance of, you know, staying kind of with that, um,
1: you're having that seat at the table for a for longer term. Um, can you maybe talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that the supply chain crisis really brought an emphasis to the importance of supply chain and also to the uh, the logistics industry across the world. You know, historically, logistics personnel have been the people that have been kind of pushed in the back office and just, you know, in the back of the warehouse, routing trucks and loading trucks. And, you know, this really gave us an opportunity to kind of step up, come into the C-suite, show people what we've got and the, the ability that we have to to help drive a business and the cost savings that we can we can generate. And I think it's important. I think it's everyone's responsibility, whether you're a carrier or you're, you know, a, a, a customer to help maintain that relevance um, and stay in front of the C-suite, right? I mean, we've got so much opportunity for for everyone across the world to continue to improve.
0: Couldn't agree more. Charles, it's been a pleasure. Appreciate you joining us. And uh, that's it for us, But but, but thanks again. Thank you.